Our text this morning comes from the Old Testament reading in Isaiah 5, like I told you earlier. Um, I just want you to hear the very beginning of that again uh, in verse 1. It says, let me sing for my beloved my love song concerning his vineyard. This is our text. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Now, I know that all of you have had uh, jobs to do working for someone over your lives. Uh, I mean, you little guys probably work for your parents or something. <laughs> That's, I know, it's a theory. It's a theory. I got them in my house, too. I know how this goes. Uh, there's a, supposed to be something in there, though. Okay, so anyway, when, when you're doing that, when you're working for somebody, uh, they supply you with the things you need to do your work. I guess uh, what I would like you to ask yourself right now is, did you consider those supplies to be yours? Or was it purposed for something and it still belonged to the one that it was uh, supplying you or, or possibly to a customer who was having some work done that you're doing and you need those supplies to do it? it is it yours or is it supposed to be something else? And, and, and on top of that, uh, another question, which is similar, although it may not seem like it too much, is when you go home after working and you've been paid and you take that money home, is the money yours? Or uh, is it, uh, am I asking two different questions? I guess you could, I, I guess what I want you to be is just a little bit confused, but I want you to think of those two things as similar because you're still being supplied with something for a purpose. Uh, everything that you have, whether it's for work or for home or for citizenry or for whatever it is that you have to do in this world, all of the things that you're supplied with belong to the one who supplied them, and they all have purpose, which might mean, if you're thinking about it carefully, that they're not entirely yours. Now, I'm saying this because there's this parable in Isaiah. It comes from God. God is talking about this. Uh, he's talking about a vineyard, and, and he says that this vineyard belongs to my beloved. And, and you heard him say that this parable is a love song about that vineyard. And it doesn't sound much like a, a love song because there's a lot of nasty negative stuff in there, but you need to keep that in mind, that this vineyard is being worked. It, it was uh, set up in a good place, a fertile place. Uh, the, my beloved, whoever that is, did everything to make it go well, to protect it. And, and uh, in the end, the thing was intended to yield grapes. It has purpose. The problem is, uh, in the parable, it didn't produce grapes. It says wild grapes. You know, sometimes in Scripture they clean it up. <laughs> so it doesn't really say wild grapes there. I mean, uh, I, 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 it irritates me a little bit that they continue with stuff like this. But uh, in, uh, in translation circles, they call this uh, lexical magic. Lexicons are help you, to help you translate something from one language to another. And this is magical because somebody made up wild grapes, and it doesn't say that. The, the word that's there... Uh, is related to smelling bad. 
So what we got here, I mean, uh, one of my professors called it stink fruit. I, I mean, there isn't such a thing, but uh, what, what, what we got instead of grapes was rotten, spoiled stench. And, and you know, if, uh, between you and me, that's a lot worse than wild grapes, which, I mean, theoretically, you can still eat them. See, the, the, this vineyard is supposed to be Israel. That's what it says. And, and uh, there's purpose behind the work because the, the fruit, the grapes, represents uh, the yield that he wants from working Israel, and that's justice and righteousness. That's what's supposed to come forth from this. There is purpose in the vineyard, in Israel, and in the people of Israel. They're supposed to come forth with fruit that is justice and righteousness, and it's not happening. There were in hand for them, for the people that were there, uh, a, a lot of good things. Uh, they were supplied with uh, the things that Moses did to rescue them from Egypt. They were supplied with uh, a, a covenant with God that he would be their God and they would be his people. Uh, they had uh, promises attached to all kinds of things uh, so that they would recognize that they were uh, of God in everything, and all of those things were supplied to them so that they would do good. But uh, if you listen to what God says through Isaiah, uh, they haven't been doing that. Instead, they got rotten stuff from them, which was sin and oppression and corruption and uh, an inclination to set up with other cultures that were corrupt and pagan uh, and it influenced them and influenced their people. And it's not going well. Uh, so instead of yielding the good fruit that he was looking for, that justice and righteousness, instead they didn't do that and he destroyed them. He took their city away. He took their temple away. He separated from, uh, from his own obvious presence and sent them off to exile in Babylon. And he burnt down the rest of the stuff. And this is the, the meaning of the thing. But you need to pay attention here because that's not all he says about it. He says that this is of his beloved, uh, that it's uh, loved and cared for and nurtured and, uh, and, and he wants it to go well and he gives them everything they need it to go well and it doesn't go well. Now I know that sometimes you can be like Israel. Uh, as it turns out, you're all a bunch of sinners. Uh, me too. It's just what we are. And, and so because of that, we sin. Now, they had all this wonderful favor of God, and it's very plain in this that it is so. Uh, this vineyard belongs to the Lord of hosts. The house of Israel belongs to him. The men of Judah belong to him. He put them there, and he gave them everything they needed. They had uh, land. They had lush fertility. They had developed wealth. They had all this blessedness. And he wanted all of that to be put to his purpose, which was to bring justice and righteousness for the world to see. 
but they got separated from where it came from and acted like it was theirs. And then everything went wrong. Now I say we're like that to some extent because we get going that way too. It looks like if we're not paying attention to where everything comes from or what it's there for, we, we start to look at it as ours. We earned it. We did it. It's ours to do as we wish. And um, any blessing uh, is expected. That's what we hope because we work hard for it or so we think. Uh, and when anything else is affected and when things get negative, well, there's fault all over the place, but none of it belongs to us because we only get the blessing. And uh, it's a little weird, but that's the nature of sin. What happens is we separate what we have in our hands since it looks like it's ours. It's been given to us and trusted to us uh, for purpose, but it doesn't look like there's purpose because we don't see God. And he's not in our head all the time because we're sinners. And so we kind of separate ourselves from that in our own minds. And then, and then we start sinning with it. And, and if it's ours, we have no responsibility to God or his purpose or what he wants us to do. Uh, and then comes the selfishness and the possessiveness and the jealousy. And those things are all sinful. And behind that sin comes death being cast off being condemned, then we're exactly where Israel comes to. Now, that's a long, long story that comes through this little parable. But you need to look carefully at the words. The vineyard is not just uh, a place that God builds and says have at it he he has purpose here and because he has purpose and because he has made promises he nurtures it actually uh if you get technical it says my beloved nurtures it he loves and cares for this creation of his he loves and cares for you the house of believers if you will he is the one who created you as a house uh, to be his house. He sent his son into the world to cause you faith, to save you from sin and death. And he does this because he wants you to be with him. And he blesses you in all kinds of ways. If you look across time, God's beloved is Jesus. His vineyard is his church. You are his kingdom, and he has made it so. He put you there in love. He cared for you in love. He blesses you in love in every way, and you have purpose. He wants you to yield good fruit, which is only natural. I mean, you know, if you have a good vineyard and it has everything it's supposed to have, chances are it's going to come up grapes, not stench. Seems like it's only human beings that do that wrong. If you put grapevines in, they're probably going to get it mostly right. Uh, but, but people, we don't so much. But God gave you every kind of blessing. He gave you skills. Uh, he gave you spiritual gifts 
the, the kind of things that only happen when the Holy Spirit is in you. He, he actually gives you the things that you desire to be. As, you know, in you, I desire to do this. I desire to do that. I desire to be that. He puts those things there so that you will want to be blessed by the things that you do. He gives you strengths. There's certain things that you're very good at. Uh, some of them are not only uh, a manual skill set or a mental skill set. Some of them are other than that, uh, leadership or discernment of good and evil or whatever it is that you do in the house of the Lord or in the house of his world. And he gives you resources. And you generally uh, earn them. <clears throat> but if he blesses you with work and he blesses you with skills, then those resources come from him through people. And most of all things, the thing that you see the least, the thing that makes everything sort of feel separate, it gives you circumstances, <coughs> things that you live in. <coughs> and and uh, this is not done in a vacuum either because you're talking about your God who knows all who sees all, he understands all, he has great wisdom. And see, he gives you all of this stuff, all of this favor, all these different things, and he sets you in circumstances that he knows you are suited to because he has made it so. Now, he doesn't tell you specifically what you're supposed to do, except he says justice and righteousness. You're supposed to be doing good. I am really tired of this cough. <coughs> by Christ's blood and by his sacrifice in death, you are forgiven every sin, all the things that you fall short on. And he gives you <coughs> a hope of eternity where you will exist in bliss and blessedness for eternity. He's granted you that hope. It's part of the circumstances that make you what you are, that cause you to want to participate with what he wants for you. By his Holy Spirit, you are inspired to go forward. You are encouraged to do what's good. You are strengthened in faith to go and serve God's will with his things. That's what's happened to you. Your good fruit comes forth. You know, uh, I, uh, we've talked about this before, but uh, James, who is Jesus' half-brother, says that faith without works is dead. Well, he doesn't just mean that if you think you have faith and you don't do anything with it, that your faith isn't real. He means that too. But the other part of that is, well, if there is faith, then there will be works. There will be good works. There will be a yield of fruit. There will be justice and righteousness. That is automatic with your faith, with the spirit that lives in you. And it has been so for you. So good fruit is justice, which means simply doing the right thing and helping other people to do the same. And righteousness, which essentially means walking with Christ in, in all that you believe. Uh, the grace that you have 
that he has granted you in Christ's blood, but also in faith toward others. Uh, when, you, when you believe God, you love people because he loves them. This is part of righteousness. You can, you can see what Jesus does. So in grace, in the many gifts of God that are in you and around you, he sends you with purpose to go in service and in sacrifice in every fruit of life, in favor and in the love of Christ and in his forgiveness. And what he has done is supplied you with everything that you need to have that blessedness, although, you know, everybody knows uh, if you follow Christ, you'll suffer some, but that is not the point. Service and sacrifice are part of justice and righteousness, and you have been forgiven everything, everything, and being assured that your hope is eternal, and, and it turns over everything else. It's what Paul was saying in that Philippians passage today. I count everything else but loss. All of it, except to be with Christ and to serve his will and to be with him in eternity. And so it is for you. Now, I was talking about poetry before, which I always find sort of interesting. I, I, the, the professor that I had to talk about that, well, I, I, I will say just, you know, uh, in short, he was pretty brutal about poetry. I don't know. How you, can you be brutal about poetry? I don't know if it's possible, but uh, that's, that's why, the way it felt to me. But here, this, this uh, paragraph here in chapter 5 is full of poetry. I mean, it's all poetry. And when you get to the bottom, you get this rhyme in Hebrew, which sticks out, which I think means uh, if you're from God, I mean, if it's from God, I want you to pay attention here. And, and uh, it's in that last verse. It says, he looked for justice, but behold, bloodshed. Now, uh, if you're speaking Hebrew, the difference between justice and bloodshed is one letter. They're almost identical. They sound the same. They rhyme perfectly. They have the same number of syllables. One letter difference, and you get the difference between justice and bloodshed. It's pretty striking in the poetry. Uh, and the second part, he's looking for righteousness. But behold, an outcry. Again, one letter difference. Everything rhymes, everything is the same length. They, they look the same, they sound the same, and you almost blow by it by accident because justice and righteousness are really familiar words in God's writing through Isaiah and elsewhere. And so you, you have to look twice to even see the difference here. But this is what happens when you're a human being and you set God aside uh, and, and you change things just a little bit because you are sinners. And when you follow your own will, you don't get justice, you get bloodshed. And when you follow your own way, you don't get righteousness, you get outcry. That's what Israel was doing. He is encouraging you here not to be that way, but to follow the gifts that he laid in your hands with the purpose that he gave you. And what happens is you're forgiven and you're in sent uh, and, then, and then you're entrusted with all of these wonderful favors and gifts and the delightful future that you have waiting for you. 
uh, and all is coming to pass in the hands of God at the grace of Christ and in the church that you are. That you remember for this to work, you need to see yourself in a certain way. You need to see yourself as the body of Christ. The bride of Christ, he calls you. The two become one flesh. You are the body of Christ. You are the same. Uh, And it doesn't look like that ever, but it is what you are. And by that, and by these gifts, and by the forgiveness that you have, you are his holy priesthood in this world where he uh, encourages and gifts and serves everything for you to do his will and to live forever with him. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.